This story comes from Lapland. Now I suppose this would refer to the land where the Sami live. The Sami are reindeer herders, and they live in the northern part of Norway, Sweden, Finland, and Russia. Now, these folk tales, a lot of them, they don't give people names. It's just there was a man, there was a woman. So I've decided to give the main human characters in this story a name. A Swedish name, because Lapland is a northern part of Sweden as well. It's what it's called. So I've decided to call them Thomas, Per, and Maria. But the original story has no names for them at all. This story is called The Elf Maiden. Now, there was a village in the north, and the people who lived there were fishers. They would go to the fishing in the summertime, and in the winter, well, they just had to stay indoors and get by as best they could, because that far north, the sun never sets in the summer, but it never rises in the winter either. And so the winter months are dark. It gets slightly light around midday, but not much, just a bluey light. The most light that they get from the sky is from the northern lights, the merry dancers, as we call them. They light the sky with curtains of colour. Now, in the village, there was two young men, Thomas and Pear. And they had been friends since childhood. But there came a problem between them because they both fell in love with the same girl, Maria. She was very pretty, very lovely. They both wanted her, they both loved her. And they both tried to court her in those winter months. Under the northern lights, they would go to her parents' house and they would ask her if she would like to come out with them for a sleigh ride. And they would go on the sleigh, the horse would pull them, jingling bells, and they would ride over the snow and over the frozen lakes as well. Now, there was dances in the winter months too, and they were both asking her to accompany them to the dance, and they were both trying to dance with her as much as possible. And a rivalry grew up between them. The friendship became soured. They weren't close anymore. In fact, they were, although they wouldn't admit it, bitter rivals. Now, the seasons turned. And the light started to return. And they started to repair their nets, getting ready to go to the islands where they had huts that they would live on. And then they would go to the fishing, way off into the Arctic Sea. Now the boats were prepared, the nets were ready, provisions were taken, and they set sail across to the islands. Now... They all had huts, as I said, on the islands, and people were given their hut where they lived. And Thomas and Pear shared the same hut, but so did Maria. Now, she was there 
to do cooking and, and do work, gutting fish and things like that. That was the men that went to the actual fishing in the boats themselves. It's the way it was in those days. So, it was obvious that as the time moved on, Maria was looking more favourably upon Thomas than she was upon Pear. The smiles between them were more frequent, little glances at each other. Yes, it started to become painfully obvious to Pear that Maria had chosen, and he was not the lucky one. And this set off a terrible anger and hatred inside him. And he thought, how can I be rid of Thomas? How can I get rid of him? I want her for myself. He has to go. <clears throat> so, he hatched a plot. And he knew that he had to bide his time, because there was still another two or three months of fishing ahead of them. But he practiced in his head what he was going to do. He polished his plan, and he nurtured it. He kept it warm. Well, he didn't let on anything to uh, Thomas and Maria, of course. He was all smiles to them. But behind the smile, there was a cold hatred. Now the time passed, and it came to the time when it was they were going to pack up and leave, go back to the mainland, go back to their village. The fish that they had there would feed them over the winter, and so everything was packed and ready to go. Now, Pear was the skipper of one of the boats. He was the man in charge of it. But he delayed the boat leaving until all the other boats had already left, and they were the only ones behind. And then when they went down to the boat, Pear said to Thomas, Oh, friend, I've left my knife, my good knife, back up at the hut. Would you be good enough to go up and fetch it for me while I get the boat ready. I'll pull the anchor and I'll unleash the tiller ready to go. Well, not suspecting any treachery, Thomas said, Oh, yes, of course I'll do that for you. And he went up to the hut. He went in through the door and he looked around and there was the knife lying on the windowsill where Pear had left it. And he put the knife in his pocket and he went down to the shore. But when he got down to the shore, to his horror, he saw that Pear had already sailed without him. The boat was a good way out in the sea, and after a wee while of standing there staring at it, it disappeared. He was alone, and he knew that this was as good as being dead, really, because how could he survive on this island by himself over the winter? And the winters in the north are bitterly cold. But he determined that he was going to survive. He wanted to expose Pear for who he really was, 
this treacherous man, this murderer, this horrible person. He wanted him exposed in front of the whole village, so everybody knew what kind of a character he was, and that's what kept him going. Thomas went out, and he found a small clump of trees in a sheltered place, and he used that knife to cut down a small tree. Nothing more than a sapling, really. And he shaved it down, and he shaped it to make a bow. And he got some old string that was left in the hut, and he strung it, and he made arrows as well. And he went hunting for the wild birds that lived in the area. He would shoot them with a bow and arrow, and then he would skin them and cook them and have them for a supper. Now he also found an old fishing line there, a small wooden fishing rod with a line on it with hooks. They used nets, of course, at their fishing. But this was great because he could fish off the rocks, and so he got fish as well. And that is what he lived on. He patrolled the shore every day looking for driftwood, which came ashore regularly, and he would stack it outside the door. He had a big pile of wood there, and he used that to light his fire with and to uh, keep warm and cook his food, of course. And so the days became shorter and shorter until there was no day at all, just darkness. And he lived there determined that he would get back home one day and expose Pear for the person that he was. And then Maria could see what kind of a person was wooing her too. Now, one day, it was Christmas Eve. To be honest, he didn't know what time it was. There was no day or night, just night. But he was down on the shore looking for driftwood, and he had a whole armful of wood. When in the distance, he could see something out at sea. And he stood and stared, and he could make out the sight of boats, boats approaching the island. Well, he thought, maybe it's my family come for me. Maybe Pear has confessed his crime, and they've sent her a rescue party to save me. Oh, when his thoughts went back to the last Christmas Eve, when he danced with Maria and was happy, and it seemed like a much more gentle and a kind time than he was living in now. It brought tears to his eyes, but he thought, here is my chance of salvation. Here are boats that will pick me up. Now he stood and watched these boats, and as they got nearer, he realized that he didn't recognize them. They were not the sort of boats that him and his people used. These were very different. And he realized that these were strangers, and not earthly strangers either. He went up to the wood pile that was in front of the door, and he added the armful of driftwood to the top of it, and then he hid behind it and watched. The boats were pulled up on the shore, 
and a whole gang of happy people, all singing and laughing together, headed up towards the fisherman's hut, and they brought with them baskets and baskets of food and drink. Now all these people were very, very beautiful, and very beautifully dressed, and Thomas knew that this must be the elves, elvish folk, come to celebrate their Christmas Eve, because that is the date that Christmas is celebrated in many countries. Now he hid behind the woodpile, and he watched as they all went into the hut. And there among them there were two girls, who were more beautiful than the rest, and the rest were beautiful as well, you must know, but these two girls were exceptionally beautiful, and they were better dressed than the rest of them too. Their clothes were beautiful. Now he hid behind the woodpile, knowing that this was elves and that he didn't want to be seen. And a party started up inside. The tables were laid with all the food and drink. Music was playing, people were singing, people were dancing. It was a great party going on. Now, a bit later, the door opened and out came the two beautiful young ladies, these beautiful maidens that he'd seen earlier. Now, they were curious. They wanted to go and explore a bit of the island. Now, elves have got very keen eyesight, far better than us mortal humans. And one of the girls spotted Thomas hiding behind the woodpile. She looked at him curiously. She had never seen a human before. What kind of a creature is that, she said, in a voice that was like a tinkling of a bell. She said, I wonder what it's made of. And she went over to him, and she gave him a pinch on the arm. Now, as luck or fate would have it, Thomas had a small pin stuck in the sleeve of his jacket. Why, I don't know. Maybe he just found it and put it there for safekeeping and forgot about it, but there was a pin in the sleeve. And the elf maiden, when she pinched him, she drove that pin into her finger and drew blood, and she screamed. And all the elves came rushing out of the house to see what the matter was, and they saw her standing there, the little drop of blood on her finger, and they saw Thomas hiding behind the woodpile. And they ran inside, and they took all their belongings, and they ran down to the boats, pushed away, and set sail. They had been seen by mortal eyes, and they were not staying. Now, Thomas was shocked, of course. But the thing that surprised him the most was there in front of him was the elf maiden, the one who had pricked her finger. And she was white, as white as a sheet. And she said to him, You must marry me now. You must make me your wife, for you have drawn my blood and I belong to you and no one else. Well, she was so beautiful, 
and he had been there on his own for quite a long time. And he didn't object to the idea of marrying the beautiful elf maiden. And so the two of them exchanged their vows and swore to be faithful to each other. But, said Thomas, there is a problem. I mean, I live here. I was abandoned here. And there is not enough food for the two of us over the winter. I mean, how are we going to stay alive? We'll starve. Oh, don't worry about that, said the elf maiden, with a voice like frozen silver. Don't worry about that, she said. I'm rich, and my family are rich, and we will want for nothing. And sure enough, every night food appeared on the table. Now, Thomas didn't know where it came from, and he knew better than to ask any questions. He just accepted the fact that food would arrive on the table every night, and that they never went hungry. And so they passed a happy winter, and the love between them grew and grew. He was devoted to his elf maiden, and the elf maiden was devoted to him too. Now the year turned, and the north wind lost its teeth. Its cold bite wasn't as bad as it had been, and the sun was starting to return too, and a little bit of warmth was starting to come back to that part of the world. Now it was getting towards the time when they could expect the boats to return from the village for the fisher folk to come back. And the elf maiden said to Thomas, her husband, Where shall we go to live? Well, he said, I don't know. Um, I will leave that to you, he said. You choose. I think we should go to the other side of the island and live, she said. I don't think we should stay here among your people. Well, that's fine with me, he said. So they set off, and they travelled, right to the other side of the island. They'd never been there before, because, of course, they were in darkness the whole time. But the other side of the island was quite nice. And they looked for a place that had a stream running by it, where they might build a house for themselves. But they needed a stream for clean, fresh water to drink. And they drank of the stream, and it was lovely fresh water. So they decided, in this sheltered place, this was the place that they should build a house. Well, Thomas didn't have much experience of building houses, but he said nothing. They found a little patch that was soft with moss, and in a slight hollow and they lay down in there, in each other's arms, and they went to sleep. Now, before they fell asleep, the elf maiden had warned him. Thomas, she says, if you hear noises during the night, do not look. What kind of noises are we going to hear out here, he said. It's, we're in the middle of nowhere. Well, just you remember what I said. Whatever you hear, pay no attention. Ignore it, and all will be well. So 
they settled down for the night, and soon the two of them were sleeping in each other's arms. Now, during the night, Thomas was woken up with a terrible noise. It was a noise like all the builders in the Northlands all working together. There was sawing and hammering going on. So he remembered what the elf maiden had told him, and he kept quiet. He didn't look. He pretended to go to sleep, and eventually he did fall asleep again. And in the morning, when he woke up, to his amazement, there was the most beautiful house that he had ever seen, a great wooden mansion of a house with beautiful carvings all over it. There was carvings of birds and animals and people and dragons. It was beautiful. And they went inside, and the inside was beautiful too. And there was even furniture had been made for them as well, tables and chairs and all sorts of things. And so they sat in their new home, and they had a breakfast of wild cherries. And they were very, very happy. Now that night, when they were going to spend the first night in their new home, the elf maiden said, Right, I want you now to go outside and measure out a cow shed for us. Now, you mustn't make it too big, but you mustn't make it too small either. Go and mark it out where you want it, and if you hear anything during the night, pay no attention. So Thomas did as he was told, although he did wonder, I mean, where are they going to get cows from? But he did as he was told, because he knew that the elf maiden knew a lot more than he did. She knew magic. And so he always listened to her advice, because he wasn't a fool. And he went out and he marked out the area for the cowshed, and they went to bed that night, and again in the middle of the night he was woken up with the sound of sawing and hammering going on, and he rolled back over and went to sleep again. In the morning there was a fine big cowshed built, not too big, not too small. Now, she said, I want you to mark out a storehouse for us. Make it as big as you like. So he marked out another building for a store, and that night, when they were asleep, he was woken up again with the sound of sawing and hammering. And in the morning, when they went out, there was a beautiful big warehouse, a great storehouse for keeping all their goods in, all the crop and everything. Now, a short time passed. Food was still arriving. Everything was going well. And she said to their husband, I think we should go and visit my family. Yes, I would like that, he said. I would like that very much. So they set off, and they went to her parents' house. And when they got there, their father and mother greeted them, and they welcomed their daughter very warmly indeed. And they had a wonderful time. All the people there, they played games and they feasted and they laughed and they listened to music and they danced and it was a wonderful time. But 
After a while, they got fed up with it and decided that it was time for them to go home. Now, as they were about to leave, the elf maiden said to her husband, Now, Thomas, I must warn you, when you get to the door, when you get to the threshold of the door, leap over it, because if you don't, then you will be in danger. So remember to leap for your life. And so he did. They said goodbye to the elf maiden's mother and father, and then they went to the door, and Thomas leapt over the threshold. And just as he did that, the elf maiden's father threw a huge hammer at him, which would have broken his legs if it had hit him. But he was able to dodge it. Now they set off on the journey home, and the elf maiden said to him, Now you will hear a sound of something coming behind us, but you must on no account look. You must not look behind you until you are over the threshold of your own door. Now he could hear the sound of hooves behind him, like a great flock of animals, a great herd of cattle following him. But he never looked, and he walked all the way back to their home, and in through the gate there was a large field in front of the house, and they walked up to their door, up the steps, and Thomas just had his hand on the door handle when curiosity got too much for him. He thought, well, we're home now, safe and sound. I'll look. And he turned around to look, which is something that the elf maiden told him not to do. And it was the first and only time that he didn't listen to her advice. And he turned around and he saw that there was a huge herd of cattle had followed them. And all the cattle that had come through the gate into that field, they were all grazing or drinking water from the stream. But the ones that were outside the gate that hadn't come out yet, come in yet, it was about half of the herd were still outside. They just melted away and vanished. If he had crossed over the threshold of his own door, he would have got all those cattle. But he still had a huge herd, and was, by his standards, a wealthy man. Now they lived there very happily together. But there was one thing which the man found disturbing, because sometimes his wife would disappear. She would just leave and not come back for a while. And to start with, he didn't ask her about it. He knew better than to ask too many questions. But it really worried him. And so one day he said, Where is it that you go when you disappear from here? And she said, Well, I have to go. Although it is against my will, I have no power to resist it. But if you would rather that I stayed... All you have to do is to drive a nail in the threshold of the door. Just right on the wooden doorstep. If you drive a nail in there, she says, I will not be able to go out or come in. And so he drove a nail into the threshold of the door. 
and after that she never disappeared again, and the two of them lived there happily. Then who knows, they might still be living there to this day.